hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of We Are Miguel Social Work. Today, we have an exciting, exciting episode with one of my favorite teachers, uh, Professor Alicia Kite. Uh, welcome, Alicia. Uh, we'll ask you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about you, um, how you doing, <laughs> and then we'll go into, into who you are at the school uh, or as a social worker, and then we'll have just a little chat about you so that people can get to know you. So welcome. Thank you, Alice. Um, where to start? I'm a, a new professor. I think still new. It's been three okay. years since I've been at the School of Social Work mm. at Miguel. It's March, so it's almost the end of the semester. Mm. Looking forward to summer. Um, other than that, a little bit about me before coming into this position. I was a social worker for many, many years. I started my career as a social worker and it's been, um, that's what's been motivating me, I would say, to um, pursue doctoral studies and to be where I am right now within the school. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Um, when you said I was a social worker for many, many years, it just brought me back to, um, I think last year when we were doing uh, the course for practice with individuals and families and we had a role play and it felt like we were, we were like in therapy. At some point we kind of like, I shared that with some of, uh, of my classmates, it felt like you were bringing us to tears with the way you were asking the questions, the way you were uh, putting in the pauses. So um, with that being said, I think you are an amazing clinician. <laughs> um, so you have been at McGill for three years, uh, but before that, would you like to share a little bit about what we were doing before and how your social work journey in those many, many years has had been and where were you working? And, um, so I started um, actually at the McGill School of Social Work. So that's where I did oh. my bachelor's in social work. Yeah. Awesome. And I graduated at the tender age of 23. Mm. And I did my uh, last field placement um, as a block field placement at Badshaw. And um, after I finished my block, they hired me. And so much of my career has been um, in child protection, working within mm. um, Bachelor Youth and Family Centers. But what's nice, I think, about this profession is that it's so versatile that even when I was working there, because I was, I was working there at sometimes full-time, but also sometimes part-time. And so I was also in other organizations. That's what I always say to students. Like, there's so much, there's so much work out there if you want to do that work. Um, and so I had the opportunity to work as a crisis counselor in a um, mental health um, center. Um, I also worked with uh, CAVAC, which is for victims of criminal acts. I worked for a long time also with the Sexual Assault Center of Montreal as a rape crisis counselor. 
Um, I also worked with the with older adults on the elderly abuse line. I've worked as a school social worker. Yeah, I've done a lot. I've worked at the CLSC. Um, it's actually a little bit scary as I'm like talking about it. I've, I'm also realizing that I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm getting wiser. Older, older and wiser. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, whoa, I actually have a good solid almost like 15, 20 years under my belt. And I like, as I'm talking to you and I'm looking at you, I'm just like, I remember when I was at the BSW and I had just started and it just felt, it's surreal anyways, it's surreal, but um, here we are. And so, yes, so bachelor's of social work at McGill. And then I came back and did my master's of social work at McGill. And then I was like, I'm done, I'm done with school. <laughs> and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just going to continue working. And then I realized, actually, no, I want to do something else. I, I don't, I think I was feeling frustrated at the time with just the repetition that is social work, especially in the department where I was at in child welfare. And so I decided to do a PhD. And now I can say like, yes, this is, this is, this is where I feel the most satisfied in my work as a social worker. Speaking about that, um, why at the PhD level that you felt like was more satisfying? Because I feel, and maybe I don't know if it's my own kind of false belief, but I feel that this is at this stage in this place, um, this is where I'm able to affect the most change. Um, I mean, I think you know what my agenda is in terms of, you know, wanting to achieve like liberation and emancipation for the black community. And so a lot of my research has been on how uh, the child welfare system as a carceral intervention has led to the overrepresentation. Um, of black children within the system and how this is a form of anti-black racism. And so it started off there, but then as I've kind of, I guess, been expanding um, and having the time, that's the other thing, is that being on the ground, you have less of that time to really um, see and understand and uh, look at what other people are are doing and saying and writing uh, about you know things like anti-black racism. So I like that I'm no longer perhaps responding to the consequences of that, but thinking about it and seeing how it's not just child welfare, it's also our criminal justice system. It's also our education system. And so being able to look at that, and understand and also, oh my gosh, at least I'm gonna go off topic all the time. Like I, it's you okay. shouldn't have asked you one. <laughs> oh, I'm taking you on this. Like I you shouldn't have asked me this question, but I just feel like, you know, also a lot of my, my stuff has been kind of like trying to document in the form of numbers, anti-black racism. So that's where I was like, I'm gonna, because I felt, I think leaving my work as a clinician 
that I had all of this like anecdotal knowledge. So like, yeah, I, you know, black families are um, being overrepresented, aren't understood by the system, but it was all like, I could only speak to what I had seen in my clinical practice. Um, and so what excited me about doing doctoral studies is that I was gonna be able to document it like for a population, like at a, at a greater level. And so the first part I would say of my PhD and my, my career, although I'm at the first part now, but just as I was transitioning from PhD student to you know, new uh, faculty, it was a lot of this like, okay, documentation, documentation, documentation. But now I find myself drawn to documentation in the form of amplifying the voices of those people who are experiencing anti-Black racism. Um, and so like, I'm still on this journey, but all this to say that I really feel that where I am now um, is most satisfying to me as a social worker, because I am at the same time advocating for change through research, but also still listening and um, hearing the voice of the community through my various like projects that are very much community-based and focused. So do you think um, that there's another, there's a, um, the way the way you approach that as a PhD student and now a doctor, um, that gives you an entrance to that, or is it maybe your many years of experience working first and gathering um, what things like how things looked like before that gave you like the the power to do that, or is it just is it that the work you did in a PhD? Uh, I'm just trying to think to compare maybe for maybe like a student who's going to do their master's then a PhD, do you think their work would be as impactful if they hadn't worked that as many years as, as you did before? You know, mm -hmm. I'm drawing the, to, the, to the conversation that we had uh, in one of the classes uh, prior to this about micro and macro, which one is more impactful, which one can actually lead to change, you know, and not leave you frustrated. I like to hear that you are, you are feeling satisfied and you're fulfilled in, in your work. Uh, do you think it's because you did mi micro first or would that be equally um, as satisfying for someone else? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people, so I say that I'm a social worker, I'm still a social worker and I'm a social worker that is doing research and research for me, at least how I do it, the relationships that I form, like I feel like I'm still using those micro social work skills. Um, and so it's absolutely beneficial um, to have had that clinical experience also because it provides, I think with a better understanding of the system, especially since my research, you know, I, I, if I had done a, a, a PhD or if I was a researcher who wasn't interested in, uh, you know, the child welfare system or in anti-Black racism, um, but had like branched off into a completely other discipline, perhaps then my clinical experience would not have been as useful. 
but because of you know my experience working in the system um i think that it allows exploration of um of data and of narratives that is a lot more in depth uh nuanced um i think the questions you know it also influences the questions that i ask and how i understand um like for instance just like a given example is before you know before i think being in the space of research and and reading and and hearing um a lot of the time i would think about overrepresentation as just that you know overrepresentation um of black youth in the system because of things like poverty um and and that's kind of what the literature has said but i think using um the voices and hearing from the families and uh seeing and having the time to reflect and and learn from what's been done by other researchers where thing where anti-black racism is a lot more spoken about um it's allowed me to see that overrepresentation as anti-black racism and it seems like like as i'm saying it i'm like it seems like such a easy shift to make but it wasn't for me um or you know i think it's only because i'm being in the space that i'm then able to make sense of that and to then um use that in my research with participants and how we think about their involvement with the child welfare system um their involvement with the juvenile system and also then you know i think it gives me credibility as well in terms of you know i like to say that i've got 15 years of experience working as a social worker so when i say um you know what i say it's not just based on you know the theory uh, it's based also on my experiences of being in the system um and also my experiences of being you know a black woman and also um from what i've heard and so in some ways i really see that as um you know starting i think a relationship with research that doesn't isn't necessarily from the beginning but comes from you know being in that system and knowing what questions to ask and um making better sense of um the experience uh in terms of how we analyze that data how we understand that data yeah yeah it gives you lived experience data i would say and uh and ties in the community and a lot of credibility for me if i when i hear that i'm like i'm i'm not just learning from or participating with someone who's just read the papers and compiled them i'm uh, participating with a social worker who has actually lived in the community and worked in the community so yeah yeah thank you for sharing that um before i ask you about your teaching role can you tell us a little bit how the research is going how how's the the journey to 
uh, your PhD and your research, uh, I understand that it's still going on, like it becomes part of, of your life and your professional career. How is it going? Is it, is it going well? Um, what yeah. are the aspects around that? And So it's going really well. Um, mm. I'm really excited about some of the projects that I'm that I'm working on. Um, so there's like a transition, I guess, maybe everyone goes through that, I don't know. But as I was doing my PhD, I was very much, like I said, focused on some of the, the quantitative. So documenting and looking at the data from a numbers perspective to demonstrate, hey, yes, there is overrepresentation, And hey, yes, there is something called a differential trajectory for black children. They're more likely to be, um, placed in foster care, experience instability in their placements, less likely to return home. They're more likely to be referred to the juvenile justice system. So that has been like, I think a lot of just like documenting that. But then I think I realized like this is not new uh, because it's been done in the United States. And I think what I've now understood is that things like anti-Black racism, these are like worldwide, right? This is like world experiences. And so I don't expect there to be a significant difference between you know, what we're finding here in Quebec and what's been documented for decades in the United States and elsewhere. What I think then becomes really imperative and what I'm realizing is not so much what the numbers say, but how it's lived. Um, and the particularities of context and how within the Quebec context, that experience, that lived experience for those families might be very different because of you know, language, because of citizenship, um, because of you know, the, the, you know, our, the, the current like political context. Uh, and so in order to get that really rich data of how it's lived, I've kind of been transitioning to a lot more um, well, qualitative, qualitative data and uh, taking the time to hear the narratives of um, the participants. And so right now, in order to access or in order to um, have those participants, it's not like you can just go into a community and be like, hey, please talk to me. You have to have relationships. And so it's been, um, I think this past three years, nurturing the relationships I had already developed, but also forming new relationships uh, with other community organizations. Those that are, you know, I'm English speaking, but I'm in Quebec and the reality of English speaking Black uh, Quebecers is different than French-speaking uh, Black Quebecers, and one of the things that I, you know, wanted to to do is to, you know, if I want to understand what is like the Black experience in this province, then I need to be able to, you know, uh, seek those ways that uh, the experience differs as a product of, let's say, ethnicity, uh, language, immigration. And so that too has been, how do, I, um, how do I bridge those connections? Because even though I'm, I'm black, I'm still an outsider, you know, from 
other Black communities. And so um, trying to uh, make those relationships, but also trying to do ethical research. And so my research is very much driven by what is the need in the community. And so the last couple of projects that I've applied for funding for have been motivate, motivated um, and have been um, the community asking me, we wanna look at this. Uh, we wanna know about um, how the Haitian community in Rivière des Prairies, how the youth uh, in that community are doing. Um, or uh, we wanna better understand um, this program that we've, that we've implemented for black families uh, because you know, we're applying for funding and they're always asking us for, for data or for evidence. Okay, so you know, let's think about how we can do that, how we can get that data with funds and do that evaluation or show how we can you know, push forward this really innovative project that you have. Um, so it's been a lot of, uh, I would say, I think I just forgot the question you asked, Elise. <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about like uh, community involvement and and uh, how the research is going. Um, the research, yeah. So, yeah, so um, it, it's going, it's going, and it's 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 a process, and it's a process that I'm enjoying, um, and you know. It's not easy. It's not an easy process either because mm. the community has their priority and also their capacity, right? And they don't always, most of the time, they don't have the capacity to, you know, participate in these like research projects. And so it really, I think that's where it feels like I'm still a social worker on the ground because. I feel like I'm still, um, you know, whenever I meet with community partners, I mean, now it's Zoom, right? But um, but the last couple of meetings, you know, whenever I meet with them, I'm always going into the community. I'm going to their organization. Um, and we're like, you know, when I have them, like, it's, it's not like, okay, let's meet for an hour. And then I leave. Sometimes it's like, all right, let's meet for an hour. And it's like, I've been here for three hours. Like, what? <laughs> All right, and the, the last time I went, they were like, yeah, you should know, Alicia, like whenever you plan to come see us, like book your calendar for like, you know, three hours better than one because you'll never leave in an hour. And I'm like, got it, I will do that. Um, but, you know, I'm just so amazed in some ways, you know, even as a social worker, I was very much working in the institutions and I wasn't really, I think I was referring out to community. I was referring out to community. And I thought that I knew how community worked, um, but it's through this experience, um, going into communities as a researcher that I'm like, oh my goodness, now I understand how community works and how they see things. Like we're so behind. We're so, our institutions are so behind. Um, the community, they are the ones that are, um, you know, able to tell you this is going to happen. You know, we're concerned about this. Um, it comes to them first. And um, the wealth of knowledge that those workers have 
is is just phenomenal. Uh, I could like give another example, but I don't think it's as <laughs> as you know related. But just you know when you hear community talking about the things that you're reading about that was recently like published, you know, um, and they're like talking about it. They're not using the same words, but they're describing the same things. It's just like, oh my goodness, you know, it's uh, so, so a lot of what I'm doing um, as a researcher is trying to include that expertise of community um, in, in what I do. Uh, so bringing them to the table in terms of, all right, we've got this research project. I'd like to be able to hire you as research assistants. So hiring those workers as research assistants, bringing the data to them, analyzing the data together, you know, getting them to, you know, help with uh, conducting the interviews. Uh, so all of this is like, is my vision. Um, and it's what I'm trying to do right now. But, you know, it's, it's a bit of a struggle because I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm struggling because hiring community workers yes, it's great to say hiring community workers, but there are all these like administrative stuff within um, the university in terms of like, okay, if you actually really wanna hire uh, these street workers, like, you know, you have to get them to apply and have their CV and like, um, and they're just like, uh, <laughs> I wish I could just like, I wish I could just kind of like pay them or if there's like a way to work mm. around it. But, you know, so some of the like, administrative hurdles for doing um, mm. this work is, is kind of similar to administrative hurdles that you experience as a social worker. Mm. So this mm. is where I'm like saying that a lot of what I, of how I practiced and how I managed, um, you know, advocacy as a social worker, I'm finding I'm using some of those same skills. It feels familiar to me. Mm. It feels familiar to me as a researcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you have a team and, and what that looks like. So I'm understanding that you will be um, the main researcher and then you would have uh, preferably community partners who will be re your research assistants. Um, do you have students that work with you? And how, how does that work really so we can get an insight on what that looks like in leading a project like that yeah so I can like explain to you know those who might be listening what that you know how it looks like to be or to call yourself a researcher mm -hmm. so in order to to do this you have to have money so you get the money from writing a proposal um, and so your proposal you submit it they evaluate it at the you know there are a couple of uh uh, federal funding agencies and provincial funding agencies that review pr proposals and then decide whether or not you can be funded or not. Um, and in the proposal, you have to basically, um, you know, demonstrate what it is that you, the question and what it is that you're seeking to, to understand. Uh, and you also have to show that, you know, your, the funds are, are going to be used to um, support students. And so a lot of the research that I do is about, um, is, is student uh, involved. 
and so as the principal investigator, um, there's like myself, but there's also co-investigators. So you can work on uh, these proposals with some of your colleagues. And so I am a principal investigator with a, with a couple of colleagues here at the School of Social Work. And so while I might lead, I might call on them for assistance and everything budget and hiring of students, it usually goes through the principal investigator. And so I have, um, you know, postings, sometimes you've seen them for students to apply. Have to be honest, sometimes it's difficult um, because a lot of my projects are uh, with the Black community and, um, you know, and also with, I told you I wanted to branch off into the Francophone community. And so there aren't that many Black Francophone students coming through uh, the School of Social Work. And, you know, representation is so important. Um, and so that's, that's uh, a bit of a challenge in terms of finding students, but I have managed to uh, find some students and also, you know, getting to know the students as well. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I find our students are, are super busy. So I've approached students um, and it's like, yes, I would, but I'm so busy because I'm doing my undergraduate degree and I'm working part-time and I, you know, I'm, it's just capacity. Um, that's the one thing I've noticed. I think about the students within our school. Um, they're brilliant, but they're also, uh, they're also hustling, right? They're like surviving. And so they are working and I don't know if they necessarily have the time, you know, with field placement, with school, with their part-time jobs to take another part-time job as a research assistant. So that's a bit of a struggle, but um, I also, um, I'm trying to work with communities. So hiring uh, community workers, those organizations to see if I can get some funding for them to do this work on top of their work. And hopefully that can be a bit of a incentive um, for them. Um, the incentive is also that the question, oftentimes it comes from them. So they're also invested in uh, participating and in seeing, you know, what can be done to, to, uh, to, to move the forward, move it forward because the results and the findings will be pertinent to them. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It gives us a, a, a clear picture of what that looks like. I'm also pleased to hear that community organizations can approach a researcher to say, hey, can you help us look at that? Um, I haven't thought about that. So I always thought maybe the, the researcher comes up with a question and then goes with it. So I like to hear that um, yeah. it can be the other way I around. Would say, I would say that, you know, it's not every, like, you know, this is one of the things I think that we do poorly in, in the academy um, is that there's, there's often um, a huge space, right? There between community and academy. And it's not true that all organizations can come into the academy and say, hey, you know, oftentimes they can't. But I think that as researchers, you know, we each can decide what our program of research and our way of conducting research will be. And so for me, it's very much important for my research to 
respond to the needs of the community uh, and for it to be community driven. However, you know, in the academy, um, that's not something that's necessarily prioritized because one, it takes a lot of time. Um, and two, uh, because it takes a lot of time, the research output is slower. Uh, mm -hmm. And as professors, uh, new professors, what happens is that if we aren't able to produce a certain amount during a certain time, we could uh, face uh, consequences in terms of our ability to stay in the academy and so in some ways a lot of this like community-based research is um, it's not prioritized um, I think there's a desire there's definitely a desire but a lot can be done to uh, better ensure that if we do decide to do this and to be in close contact with the community, um, that we're not in some ways penalized because it takes longer. I would say in the School of Social Work, uh, we're fortunate uh, in that there are a lot of, um, I have a lot of colleagues that have managed to, to, to do that and succeed. Uh, so uh, that's great. Um, I'm just not sure how it works in the other in other departments where maybe it might be a little bit more uh, challenging. But as a school of social work, it is imperative that we be in contact with community um, and that 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 um, space be as much as possible um, bridged. Um, thank you for, for mentioning that because uh, I feel like um, that was one of the main struggles I had with uh, coming back to school thinking, okay, now you're going to be part of uh, academia and just, you know, sit in, in a classroom and talk about things, but you're not actually doing things. So knowing that as you advance in your career, um, maybe you become a researcher or a professor, you're still... Uh, at least in the School of Social Work, trying to involve the community. You're still not out of touch with, with lived experiences of people. So yeah, I appreciate to, to hear that. Um, so as we approach the end of our conversation, I wanted to ask you about your, your teaching role, which is what we mostly know you about. Uh, what have you been enjoying? Uh, what has, how has he been uh, teaching us? And uh, um, I, I think you also teach in the MSWU, if I'm I correct. I don't. I don't. No? Okay. I only uh. teach at the BSW level. And mm -hmm. I'd say that I'm really fortunate, I think. I'm really fortunate to be in this position because I get to shape future social workers. And that is. I think it's a privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. Uh, but one that I'm really grateful for uh, because I've worked um, as a social worker and I know my colleagues <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I know what, you know, it, so in some ways, you know, we we're talking about like the micro and like the macro and how does my experience as 
a social worker um, inform my research, it also informs my teaching because I really feel that um, in this position, I'm able to, um, as much as possible, get the social workers that come through our doors to think, you know, about the macro in their micro practice. And that is like something that I'm happy to do. Um, and that I see is very important. And I'm still trying to figure out the best way to teach that because it's not, it, it's very abstract, you know, and, and we have our seminar class together where we're talking about what does micro macro practice look like? Um, and I think also students come into the field with an idea of what social work is. Um, that is social work, but not all social work. Um, and I also think that, you know, and this is not just specific to, um, you know, our school, but the profession of social work is uh, rooted in like, you know, is born from white femininity and all of the problems that that poses for, you know, people that look like me um, and you um, and, you know, our indigenous brothers and sisters. And so this whiteness in our profession um, is so insidious and having to strip it. You know, I, I think I, I, try to sh I try to unpack that and to really speak to it in the classes um, that I teach, but there is like, you know, there is resistance, you know, and, and I see that resistance sometimes in terms of, you know, why are we always talking about the bad about social work? Like, why don't we ever talk about the good? And I guess there is good. <laughs> there <laughs> is good about social work. But I think we've just historically kind of ignored the bad. And actually, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if I don't know if it's if it's productive to think about the profession as good or bad. Um, but we've done bad things. And I think that we need to to come to terms with that before we can hope to achieve good. And that is something that, like even the nuance of that, it's, it's something that I grapple with and it's something that I'm still, you know, trying to find my footing in teaching um, at the undergrad level beyond just like, you know, cause I could teach you how to do an assessment, you know, what information to put here and there. And, you know, that's easy. Um, but what's difficult is, is uh, how to be. It's how you are um, in this profession, the relational aspects of it um, and your, um, 
and your 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 way of being I don't know how to put it in another way <laughs> right yes, yes and also the recognition that a lot of social work you know there's, there's a big problem in social work because you know a lot of us are working in you know services that are voluntary so in the CLSCs um, and we know that those CLSCs um, are serving you know diverse populations but yet um, a lot of like black indigenous um, and other racialized communities are underrepresented in those systems, despite knowing that the need, you know, is there. They're just not going to those services. Uh, um, part of that is because perhaps they don't see themselves reflected in those services, but also perhaps part of it is the way, um, the way that we as social work, our profession currently is um, in terms of, you know, constructs of professionalism, boundaries, procedures, um, bureaucracy, um, you know, and what we learn, you know, so the theories that are very much like individual focused, so attachment theory, um, and how that sometimes doesn't capture the entirety of the person. Uh, and in some ways, you know, or in somehow, you know, it's very like deficit focused. So yeah, I, I, teaching has been, has been great, you know, and I'm still figuring it out and I'm still, you know, trying to find ways to, um, to, to, um, to transmit the complexity that social work is um, as a way of being um, rather than just focusing on like the skills, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that I think you have to do both because without like skills, right? Or without like some type of foundation, then it's kind of like you're just floundering. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm still learning how to um, not let my students flounder <laughs> um, and to like this balance of okay like here's some solid like here's like a foundation of skills um, so that you're not floundering but you're still even with those skills like you're still gonna be you know struggling because that's just what this profession is um, I think. yeah and I'm smiling because I, I'm, I mean, I've been your student for two times now, and I remember specifically having a conversation with you for an assignment, and it deconstructed everything I was thinking. You know, I took a nap. I went to bed and took a nap because I was like, <laughs> "What was that? Where am I now? What? Who am I?" You know, <laughs> and uh, and I think that was a very important uh, aspect of uh, of. Uh, knowing um uh, how do you say like who you are and how how you are in social work and how you carry yourself in social work so that we're not all over the place and obsessed with with the tools and the and the skills and you know the problems that are there but who are you in all of that so thank you so much for for challenging us and for asking the hard questions and you know pushing us to to find our footing in there and uh to look at 
the bigger picture as we navigate the smaller pictures as well. So yeah, thank you. Oh, wow, I've kept you for so long. And, and I know we talked a lot about your, your, your teaching role and your research. Alicia, thank you so much for, for who you are. You didn't mention a little bit about representation. And for me, being a Black woman, seeing you is just, just, it's just something gives me a little of, of knowing that I'm stepping into someone else's uh, uh, room that I'm not a stranger where I'm walking by. And uh, there are people like you and other, other professors that, that kind of like portray who I want to be. They're there doing the thing. So um, I, I really enjoy sharing a learning space with you. And yeah, you're very, very important for us. Thank yeah. you, Adi. And thank you. Well, I wish you uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, again, uh, we are with uh, Professor Alicia Kite. Uh, my name is Alice, but by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. Alice Shime, I'm in my last year of the BSW and we were talking with Professor Alicia. Well, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>